0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Shiva
1: Mozaffarian, and I'm here today with pediatric dermatologist Dr. Laura Winley and pediatric rheumatologist Dr. Pam Weiss to discuss the latest treatment updates in the care and management of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis in youth. Dr. Lee is the Director of Pediatric Dermatology at the Medical University of South Carolina, where she has specialty interests in psoriasis, vascular anomalies, and genetic skin disorders. Dr. Lee is also an Associate Professor in the Department of Dermatology and Dermatologic Surgery. She's a long-standing volunteer with the foundation and is currently a member of the MPF Medical Board. Dr. Weiss is the Clinical Research Director of the Division of Rheumatology at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where she's the Distinguished Endowed Chair in the Department of Pediatrics. She has advanced training in clinical epidemiology with a focus on early diagnosis, accurate phenotyping, and targeted treatment of children with spondyloarthritis. Dr. Weiss has been nationally recognized for her work in juvenile spondyloarthritis. Welcome, and thank you both for being here with us today. Such an honor having you on SoundBites. Let's start with a question for both of you to help provide more of a background for your introduction. How did your interest in pediatric care for psoriatic disease begin?
2: Yes, thank you, Shiva. I really appreciate being here. So I've had a longstanding interest in pediatric psoriasis really since the beginning of my career in pediatrics. And I think... This can be appreciated by anybody who cares for patients with psoriasis, either as a personal caregiver, like a parent or a medical provider. Psoriasis is a very impactful disease in our pediatric patients and for such a long time has really been hidden without much research or advancement behind it. Because of my early experiences with psoriasis, I really developed the need and the want to contribute to this research and do the best care that I could for pediatric patients with psoriatic disease.
3: And Dr. Weiss, how about you? Thanks, Shiva. I also am very grateful to be included on this podcast. My interest in uh, juvenile psoriatic arthritis also stems from the very early parts of my career. I have always been interested in all of the children with juvenile arthritis, but it became apparent to me very early in my training that children with psoriatic arthritis and other forms of spinal arthritis really were being lumped together with all the other different kinds of arthritis. And some of the things that made these kids both unique and also difficult to treat were things like the psoriasis that they had on their skin and some of the other manifestations that come with that. And even today, some of the way we treat these kids is just lumped in with everybody else. And so to me, it felt like These children really deserved a little bit of extra attention and research that was focused on them as psoriatic arthritis and not just as juvenile arthritis as a whole. And I will also say that in my own clinic, some of my most interesting, but also some of my most difficult to treat kids have been the kids with psoriatic arthritis. And so, again, there's a real drive to try and improve the outcomes, both clinical as well as those that matter to the patients and families over time.
1: Thank you so much for providing more of the reason of why you do what you do. We're so glad you've taken an interest in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So I now wanna talk about the latest discoveries in understanding psoriatic disease in children. Dr. Winley, I recently read an article about research identifying distinct immunophenotypic differences in pediatric versus adult psoriasis. Can you address this research and what the implications could mean Could this change as a child grows older?
2: I think those are all really excellent questions. And the bottom line is we're just really learning more about this. So it's really long been known by clinical observation that both the presentation and behavior of psoriatic disease in children really does differ from adults. For example, guttate psoriasis is much more common in children than in adults. And some of the triggers for onset of psoriasis or flares of psoriasis such as group A strep infections, are very different from children to adults. And this has really sparked a lot of interest in understanding why the behavior of the disease can be different and also what does that mean over the course of the lifetime for the child. So some of this early research that you mentioned has started to look at the immune signature in pediatric patients versus adult patients with psoriatic disease and has that found some differences in the way the immune system is functioning in disease and its impact on severity in these patients. I think this is early research that has a lot more work to be done, but is really exciting to me because it's giving us hints about how best to treat pediatric patients. We may have better ideas about therapeutic targets, about what medications might work better in children, and really giving us a glimpse of hope that we can do a little bit more personalized type of treatments. So if we can understand some of these differences, not just in pediatric versus adult patients, but sometimes in patient to patient, can we come up with better treatment plans that are really more honed in on their disease that will then be safe and effective in that particular patient? Super exciting news. Thank you, Dr. Weinley.
1: So Dr. Weiss, what's the latest research about the prevalence or incidence of psoriatic arthritis among youth with psoriasis and how is diagnosis currently made? Thanks, Shiva. So those are actually great questions. And I think
3: we want to pull the answer from some studies that are a little bit older, as well as some of the newer studies. So descriptive studies over the years have estimated that over the lifespan of a child, 10 to 30% of those with psoriasis will eventually develop psoriatic arthritis. A few years ago, there was a population-based study that leveraged a very large administrative database. So this is data that comes from insurance companies and things like that, and not from the actual clinic but allows us to look at many, many kids with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And that database included about 4,500 kids with psoriasis. And of those, only about 2% met criteria for arthritis within five years of the psoriasis diagnosis. So this is much lower than the 10 to 30% that I told you about a couple minutes ago. But it's probably because the research had very stringent criteria for what constituted valid arthritis. If you look at the paper, close to 10% of the children with psoriasis had at least one code for arthritis, but didn't meet the study criteria for psoriatic arthritis. It's interesting that this single code for arthritis was most often given by non rheumatology providers, which could mean a few things. One, that we're underdiagnosing it, two, that kids aren't being referred for arthritis care. Or three, they're getting diagnosed with arthritis and then being started on systemic medication and the arthritis fizzles away. And so they're not having long-term care for their arthritis. So all of these things are concerning in their own way. But what was really cool about this study, and I think relevant for the everyday clinical care of our kids with psoriatic arthritis, are that in addition to eye inflammation, which we know is a risk in children with psoriatic arthritis and needs to be monitored closely over time. Kids with psoriatic arthritis were also shown to have an increased risk of inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, and depression in compared to children who were healthy and did not have psoriasis or arthritis. And interestingly, also, the risk of inflammatory bowel disease was higher in the kids with psoriatic arthritis than in children with psoriasis alone. And I think this is important because this is not always on the clinical radar of the subspecialty providers who are taking care of these kids. These are all very well-known things in adult psoriatic arthritis, but again, we don't often pay attention to all the same things in kids as we do in adults. So I think this is an important area that we need to learn more about so that we can take the best possible care of these kids going forward. In terms of the diagnosis, currently the diagnosis really is very much clinical and based on the exam of the pediatric rheumatologist, we have some criteria that help us to really nail down whether we think it's definitive psoriatic arthritis or not. And that includes things like joint swelling, tenderness where the tendons and ligaments attach into bone, if they have nail findings consistent with psoriasis or if they have affected family members. But there are no diagnostic tests that we can run in the clinic that can say to providers or families, for sure, your child has psoriatic arthritis. Do you use imaging to help
1: make the diagnosis?
3: So in terms of imaging, we don't use imaging specifically for kids with psoriatic arthritis, but there is a lot of emerging data in the adult realm that ultrasound can be very helpful of point of care for looking at some of the non-clinically obvious findings. So oftentimes clinicians are very good about detecting peripheral joint swelling or arthritis. And we may not be as good at the assessment of things like dactylitis or sausage swelling of a finger or a toe or of enthesitis, which is inflammation or tenderness where the tendons and ligaments attach into bone. And so there's a lot of work in adult with psoriatic arthritis developing disease activity indices and ways to use this information to help improve the diagnosis of point of care. We have not seen that translated into the pediatric realm as of yet, but the hope is that that is coming.
2: So as a dermatologist that sees a large number of pediatric patients with psoriasis, I've always been struck about the challenge in identifying patients that need further evaluation for psoriatic arthritis. I think partially because kids, particularly our younger ones, have lived with a disease for a while, they don't necessarily recognize their symptoms. They just simply think that the pain that they're having is just how it is. They don't recognize that that's abnormal and oftentimes don't notice that they had a symptom until it's treated. For instance, when I treat their cutaneous psoriasis. So as a caregiver for patients with psoriasis, are there things that you sort of hone in on to? clue you in or ways to evaluate patients sort of early to make sure they're getting the appropriate
0: care?
3: Absolutely. I think that's an incredible question and like one that we grapple with all the time. One of the challenges that we have in particular with psoriatic arthritis is that sometimes even the joint swelling that we see, the actual arthritis is a little less obvious clinically than it is for some of our other forms of arthritis. So There needs to be a high index of suspicion. So if we have clinicians who sometimes miss that, you can imagine that families often are like, well, this joint looks fine. I must just have pain. Let's move on. But we also find that in addition to joint swelling, which is what a lot of people use for the trigger to send to rheumatology, a lot of these children have a heavy burden of tenderness, not in the joint itself, but right outside the joint. Again, what are called the entheses, or the attachments of ligaments and tendons to bone. And this is pain that is a little bit different than what kids get with arthritis. This is pain that comes after the kids have participated in sports or been on their feet all day and really is quite impactful in terms of the magnitude of pain that they have. But the nice thing is, is that a lot of these newer targeted therapies for psoriatic arthritis can actually help improve this, even if they don't have frank arthritis. So I might say if there's any question of whether the child is having arthritis or enthesitis, or really even just if they're having a lot of joint pains, it's probably a good idea to have them seen by a rheumatologist. We're always happy to help screen, and if there's a way to improve the quality of life for these kids, for sure. And I will say it's, it's not unique to kids with psoriatic arthritis, but really any child with juvenile arthritis that we see in our clinic, the arthritis and the symptoms associated with it really start very slowly over time. And then finally, they build to a threshold to where the family realizes there's a problem. And when these children are put on systemic therapy, they feel like brand new kids. And at that point, they realize how uncomfortable they've been for a very long
1: time. So, Dr. Weiss, you mentioned challenges with diagnosing psoriatic arthritis. And Dr. Weinley, I have a similar question for you. What do you feel is the most challenging aspect of managing psoriasis in children and teens?
2: Well, I think this really is amongst a lot of pediatric diseases, but in general, the needs of a child, even with the same disease that they've had since a very young age all the way through adulthood, their needs change over time, as well as their response or reactions to treatment. So for instance, it is very different to treat a child that is six years of age versus treating a teenager. Their experience with the disease is different. How they feel about different treatment options is different. So for example, a younger child may be really affected by having to get more frequent injections for their treatment or having to get lab work done and can't necessarily express those things or be involved as much in the treatment decisions. So you really have to balance those considerations out when you're treating children of different ages. In addition, every child feels different about their disease. And one of the things I always like to discuss with families is you really don't want to make their treatment more impactful on them than having the disease itself. So making some of those balances and having a lot of shared decision-making involving the child and their family about treatment options is really important and that really changes over time. So you have to have those discussions frequently. Also in children, oftentimes there's some really difficult to treat areas. So facial psoriasis and scalp psoriasis are very common in children. And even a small amount of facial psoriasis can really have an impact on the child's experience with the disease and on their psychosocial functioning. So facial psoriasis in itself can be difficult to treat because of our medication availability. And the same with scalp psoriasis. A lot of our preparations of topical therapy are difficult to get on the scalp. And the scalp can be really symptomatic, for instance, it can be very, very itchy. And that can be really bothersome to children and lead to a lot of problems with functioning and sleep. Also, involvement of the palms and the soles, again, might be limited areas of psoriasis, but really can affect their ability to do their normal activities, to function and do sports, for instance, like other kids do. You really have to pay close attention to these things that might be most important to the children. Similar thing with nails. Oftentimes, nail psoriasis can be overlooked, but can be very, very impactful to psoriasis in a difficult-to-treat area. So, As you go through your discussions with the families and with the patients themselves, you have to get a sense of what is really bothering them and do treatment planning even that might have to deal with sensitive areas to address their disease more appropriately. The last thing that I would say is that with adults, we're certainly understanding a lot more about comorbidities, and we've had that research ongoing for several years. That research is happening in children as well. And one of the challenges that I have is really addressing the whole patient. So obviously, as a dermatologist, I'm there to address the skin disease, but I may be the frontline person to make sure they're getting all of the care that they need and understanding their comorbidities or how my treatments can potentially impact those is really important. So childhood is this time we want both their physical and emotional health to really be planned in a very important way because it has impacts on the rest of their life and so there's a really high need to address appropriate treatment and deal with their psoriatic disease from the onset.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned treatment Dr. Ryan Lee since it's our next topic. So in the last few years a number of FDA approvals have occurred for the treatment of psoriasis in youth which is super exciting. What would you say has been the biggest advancement in the treatment of severe pediatric psoriasis? And how is treatment different than what was previously available?
2: So the last several years have actually been huge. And so I can't even overstate it enough in the treatment of moderate to severe psoriasis in kids. So up until several years ago, we had very limited data and very few large, randomized, controlled clinical trials that led to FDA approvals for pediatric psoriasis. But in the last several years, we've gone from one, to now four approved therapies for moderate to severe psoriasis from the biologic or injectable standpoint and new topical agents as well. So this is really exciting because I now have treatments that are available. For instance, we have several drugs that are approved down to age six and then a tannersip down to age four. So I really have a much broader toolbox to be able to pick the best therapy for my child. These new agents have a lot of good data behind them in terms of safety and efficacy. Also, several that work for other comorbidities, such as psoriatic arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease that the children may have as well. And the safety behind a lot of these agents is really great. So for instance, we have two IL-17 inhibitors, which we have Ixakizumab and Secukinumab that are approved down to age six. Very safe and effective treatments for pediatric patients that have been used longer in adults, but now we have this great data behind it. And in addition, we've had for several years, in addition to Atanercep, used to kinemab, but more recently has gotten an approval down to age six as well, which is a really nice option to have in younger patients in particular because the shot frequency is much less. So the injections that they're getting, which is an important consideration in those younger patients, the injection frequency is much lower than our other agents. So Dr. Weinley, you mentioned a couple IL-17
1: inhibitors that are safe to use. Could you please address in general the impact of side effects for the pediatric population, which of course we know is a concern many parents have? Are there any updates given the new therapy choices that are now available?
2: Well, certainly the studies do show safety behind the newer agent. So we certainly worry about long-term impact. And I think this is really important in pediatric patients because they may have a long time that they're going to be on treatment for their psoriasis. So minimizing side effects in our youngest patients is absolutely a critical point. I think the newer agents, again, have great safety profiles, but I think it's also important to recognize that some of our older agents also have a lot of time and experience behind them, so we have growing knowledge about who to use them in, when to use them, and how to use them safely, and certainly how to manage side effects. So having all of these new tools helps us have a lot of safe options. And again, this goes a lot to discussions that you're going to have with your patients and their family about what the safety profiles are and what's important to them in consideration of treatment planning.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Weinley, for that treatment update. So I want to turn to you, Dr. Weiss. What treatments are generally used now to treat psoriatic arthritis in children and teens? Are there any new treatment options?
3: Sure. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, our repertoire of what we can use for psoriatic arthritis is a little bit more limited than psoriasis only because the research is a little bit behind. And I will say the treatment recommendations that families are likely to hear in the office are really recommendations that are based for all of the various flavors of juvenile arthritis and really aren't tailored specifically, again, to psoriatic arthritis. However, as Dr. Weinley mentioned, we've learned a tremendous amount about the pathogenesis of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis over the last decade. And so these newer targeted therapies that we think really impact how these diseases develop differently in kids with psoriatic arthritis versus the other kinds of arthritis, I think are starting to and will continue to change the treatment algorithms that we apply in clinic. I also think building upon something that Dr. Winley mentioned earlier in the program was that sometimes what matters the most to children with psoriatic arthritis might not be what we would guess as their provider. So for us, a lot of times we always think the joints are so important. The joints are what the kids and the parents are going to want to treat. But surprisingly, the driver to treat the systemic disease manifestations sometimes is driven by the joints, but sometimes is also driven by the hope that the psoriasis will also improve. So what we are seeing on the arthritis aspect of things is that these newer drugs that are coming out may have a differential response in terms of how the skin responds and how the joints respond. And I think we need to take into consideration which of the manifestations are most important to the patient when we figure out which of these therapies to try first. So the upfront recommendations that you're going to hear about are mostly going to include older, very well-studied, and safe drugs in this population, including things like methotrexate and TNF inhibitors like etanercept, adalimumab, but the newer approved agents for juvenile psoriatic arthritis that include stat inhibitors like Citinib, or IL-17 inhibitors like secukinumab or IL-23 inhibitors like ustekinumab aren't yet incorporated. But again, I think as more additional data comes out, these are very much going to make it into the upfront treatment repertoire that we pull for everyday practice. At the moment, these more specific and newer agents are reserved for kids who fail the more conventional therapy. Of the medication's that are approved for psoriasis, we have a more limited number. So we saw tofetcitinib approved in the U.S. by the FDA in August of 2021. Secukinumab was approved in January of 2022, but ixikizumab is not yet approved for psoriatic arthritis. And then ustekinumab was approved in August 2022. So if we have families that are interested in some of the other therapies that are approved for psoriasis but not psoriatic arthritis, we often have to rely on our partnership with the dermatologists to get those approved for us for the indication of the psoriasis.
2: And I think this is really an important point though about how the joints and the skin may not respond at the same rate or in the same way. And so that treatment planning can become complex and that collaboration is so important. But I think it also highlights the need for really understanding and having new topical therapies as well. Because if a patient is really doing wonderfully from the joint standpoint, but has some residual cutaneous psoriasis, we do have a lot of options to treat that. And having the discussions with your rheumatologist and your dermatologist can be really important to kind of make sure both things are being covered. So for instance, there's a lot of ongoing research in topical therapy and one new approved agent, Reflumalast, which is a very potent phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitor that has very recently gotten approval down to age 6. So our options for more skin-directed therapy are really expanding as well.
1: So are there any biologic agents currently in use for adults with psoriatic disease
2: that are in clinical trials that show promising results for pediatric care? So I think this is a really, really exciting area in pediatric psoriasis right now. There are numerous agents that are being tested in cutaneous psoriasis for pediatric patients. It's an extensive list, and I think most of our adult agents either have an early pediatric program, or I'm aware of many that have a planned pediatric program. So for instance, a and Inducravacitinib, Rizikizumab, all are starting to come out with some pediatric data. And this is really just scratching the surface. There's large pediatric programs planned. So I think we'll see over the next few years a lot of good data, both in efficacy and safety, that does lead to some more FDA approvals. Important to note the topical agents that are starting to come out for adult patients do have research programs and clinical trials planned or ongoing in pediatric patients as well.
3: And I think the landscape for psoriatic arthritis is similarly exciting, although maybe not as expansive. But again, just focusing on the drugs that also hit the joints well in addition to the skin. And so active programs that we anxiously await to complete and see the results and hopefully FDA approval for include Ixakizumab, which is an IL-17 inhibitor, guselkumab, and risankizumab, which are both IL-23 inhibitors, and a premolast. That's an actively recruiting study as well. And then Baritzitinib, which is another jak inhibitor, just completed the clinical trial, and there's results that were just reported earlier this year. It's not yet FDA-approved in the U.S., but it's right on the horizon. So we're about to have our toolkit massively expanded. And again, I think that's very exciting, especially for our patients who aren't quite achieving the clinical success that they need on some of the older approved agents. So there's very much a bright future out there in terms of what we can use.
2: And I think some of the newer clinical trials are also going to address, besides just getting approvals for new medication potentially address other needs. So currently, all of our biologic therapies are labeled for moderate to severe psoriasis. And it can be really difficult, for instance, if you have a patient who might not meet a clinical definition for moderate to severe, but really does have very impactful disease. So might not have the body surface area to meet those clinical criteria, but really has involvement in areas that are really impactful on their quality of life. And this can run into an insurance barrier for because again, they use these criteria to approve these medications. So we will start to see more programs that are going to address potentially mild to moderate psoriasis or more special site types of areas. So hopefully getting some expanded labeling as well that will allow us to treat more patients that are appropriate candidates for these therapies.
3: Piggybacking on what Dr. Weinley just mentioned, sometimes if, if you've got a patient who could really benefit from systemic therapy but doesn't have the particular type of psoriasis that they might need to meet the labeling instructions, that sometimes is also where partnering with the rheumatologist can be helpful. So even if the children don't have frank arthritis, if they meet psoriatic arthritis criteria sometimes it is used in adults, we're able to get insurance approval for some of these kids if they have manifestations like enthesitis or again tenderness where the ligaments and tendons attach into bone in addition to evidence for meeting the larger criteria of psoriatic arthritis without actual peripheral
1: joint swelling. So you've both mentioned use of oral systemic treatment options. Dr. Weiss, are there any oral systemic treatments in clinical trials for pediatric care of psoriatic arthritis? So for psoriatic arthritis, we have
3: premolas, which is oral, and then tolfetcitinib, which is oral, and then the Barrett-citinib studies, which just completed, that's also oral. But the interesting thing that's come out in my discussion with families about oral medication, even though for many families it's a game changer, for other families... Getting these little children to take oral medication up to twice a day is almost more of a headache and more of a fight than continuing them on subcutaneous injections. So it's a very interesting dynamic. I think its importance to families is going to differ depending on the child and how well they do with injections versus how well they do with oral medications. But it's nice to have the option of both so that we can get the right medications into these kids and get them better one way or another.
2: This goes back to the discussion about the shared decision making, because it's just really important as the needs change. For instance, my teens oftentimes have really strong opinions either way, where they may know that they're not going to be able to be compliant with a daily medication versus really having decided that they've been through many years of injections and they're ready to try something else. So I think it's just the expanding landscape and having options. And people feel better when they have options, when they have points of discussion. And we're not just sitting there saying, this is all we got. You have to try this. Having them being involved really makes them feel like they have some level of control and really become a partner in their own treatment, which I think is important, particularly in children.
1: So we know that encouraging children to be an active partner in their care is so important. Another question for you both. How important is it to aggressively or appropriately treat psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis in children and teens? Should a biologic be implemented early in the disease process to prevent the onset of psoriatic arthritis
2: or the development of related comorbidities? I think this really becomes an important part of my discussions about treatment, but I really follow the lead of what's important to the patient in many ways. So we'll certainly discuss early treatment and how that may impact the course of their disease or the development of comorbidities, but how aggressive I am depends on what their definition of their disease is and what they care about at that point. So I don't have a standard answer there. I feel like the definition of aggressive also really can vary from medical provider to medical provider. We still have other options, for instance, like phototherapy, which can really be a great treatment for some patients and may not be considered aggressive, but might be exactly what that patient needs and might be the best option when you discuss options with them.
3: Yeah, and I'll add to what Dr. Wine Lee said. I think also there's not really compelling evidence right now that says early aggressive treatment of psoriasis is going to prevent psoriatic arthritis from ultimately coming out because not all patients with severe psoriasis are going to develop joint manifestations. I think when we see psoriatic arthritis patients who have impacted their daily activities or to participate in things that normal kids are doing, the conversations become a little different. But again, it's all based on the family's comfort. Some of these medications are very scary to families, and we want to help them make the best decision for their child, depending on what's important to them. If I see manifestations of joint damage, I may be a little bit more pushy in terms of trying to get the family to that place where they're ready to initiate treatment faster. Just because if if joint damage occurs, it's only going to continue to accumulate and certain variants of psoriatic arthritis can be quite aggressive up front and you can spend a lifetime wishing you had been more quick to
1: start systemic therapy than you were. I want to now take a look forward. We've spoken about how the landscape of treatments has changed and how more options are available now. What do you feel is the most critical need in understanding and treating psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis in youth?
3: Sure. I think one of the things that we really need to focus on going forward with these array of new drugs that are coming to market and that are available to treat our patients with is, especially when they have multiple manifestations of disease, is what's the differential response of the medications on all these various manifestations. So again, some of the drugs are going to work better on the skin. Some of the drugs are going to work better on the joints. Some of the drugs are going to work better at the antheses or ligament attachments and what is causing the predominant disease activity in the child and what is most important to the child to focus on is really going to help us drive that forward. To date, we haven't seen any pediatric studies that look at the differential or comparative efficacy of the different drugs on these various manifestations. There are just starting to be these studies in adults, and I think we really need them, and we want to learn more from those studies to help us make the best decisions.
2: I absolutely agree with that. We really are at the beginning here of understanding the different aspects of a patient's disease, but also what treatments might be best from a more personalized treatment standpoint. So if the patient has this comorbidity or this type of presentation, what's the best agent that I reach to? We start to have a little bit of that discussions more in adults, knowing that there's certain drugs that may be have more side effects in certain comorbidities, for instance, but in pediatrics, we really just don't have that yet. And I'm looking forward to a lot of this research over the next 10 to 20 years. And
1: Dr. Winley, what excites you the most about management of psoriasis in youth? I know you've alluded to some of this already.
2: Yeah, so this really is starting with a kind of a look back. So I think it was less than 10 years ago where I was privileged to be at one of the patient-focused drug development symposiums held by the FDA on the topic of psoriasis. And at that time, the comments were, we really have nothing for pediatrics. We were starting to see so many new agents in adult psoriasis and adult psoriatic arthritis, but really still had a very limited toolbox in pediatrics. And since that time, we have tools to choose from and huge clinical trials programs and so many more agents. This just highlights to me that pediatric psoriatic disease has started to get its time so that people are recognizing the importance of understanding pediatric psoriasis and focusing on not just what it means to the kids and how to treat it effectively, but really understanding the disease that will help us both with understanding the impact over time, how our treatments affect development of other comorbidities, and really getting some good choices that we can offer. It's so great for somebody who's been in the psoriasis space for a while to really see every few months even something new that I can offer my patients.
1: Yeah, it's certainly an exciting time. Thank you, Dr. Winley. And Dr. Weiss, what current research in pediatric psoriatic arthritis offers the greatest promise towards an understanding of why the disease occurs and ultimately looking towards a cure?
3: Well, I think much of my answer is going to piggyback on just what Dr. Winley mentioned in terms of our toolkit when we see the children with psoriatic arthritis is still pretty limited, but we are just starting to see a lot of the clinical trial results come out making these newer targeted drugs available to us. That is really exciting because it really changes the landscape of how we can approach the treatment of these kids. I am really excited about the ongoing clinical trials, as well as the promise of future studies looking at the differential effect on all of these different targets. And again, that's going to piggyback on the basic research that's being done in in terms of how the pathogenesis of the disease may differ based on what clinical manifestations that we're seeing. I also am very excited that as these newer drugs have come out and we focus more on the various aspects of the disease, there's also a blossoming and strengthening of relationships with the dermatologists that have already been there, but that as a team, we can work together to help fully address the patient's needs.
1: And here at the MPF. We know the strength of that relationship is so important. I want to thank you both for such an interesting conversation about what's the latest in pediatric care for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Do you have any final comments for parents or other family members who may be listening today?
3: I think the future is bright. There's a lot of research going on in both psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, both in adults and children. And we're really getting much smarter about knowing how this disease is driven as well as how to target our
2: therapies. I agree. And I would just add to that, I think there's a lot more awareness of psoriatic disease. And as a parent of a patient with psoriasis, just make sure that you are seeking the right answers from the right people. There are a lot of people that really care about providing good care for patients with psoriatic disease and a growing amount of knowledge in the field. So your options there are really expanding as well and just a lot of opportunity to get the care and support that you need.
1: Thank you, Dr. Weinley and Dr. Weiss for closing this episode with such hope for the future. We're grateful to you both for being here today and for your comments about the management of psoriatic disease in youth. For our listeners, to learn more about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis in children and teens, call our Patient Navigation Center at 800-723-9166 or email education at psoriasis.org. And finally, thank you to our sponsors who provided support on behalf of this program activity through unrestricted educational grants from
0: Janssen and Novartis. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of SoundBites on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Ghana, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage.